of the ensuing night. It was a traumatic experience for Granny, and for me, and probably for the catfish, too. Throughout the rest of her life, Granny refused to eat fish of any kind, and always carried a high-powered flashlight with her during her nocturnal peregrinations. I cannot be as certain about the effect on the catfish, for my unfeeling cousin, once the hoofah had died down a little, callously flushed the toilet. As for myself, the effect was to engender in me a lasting affinity for the lesser beasts of the animal kingdom. In a word, the affair of the catfish marked the beginning of my career first as a naturalist and later as a biologist. I had started on my way to the wolf den. My infatuation with the study of animate nature grew rapidly into a full-fledged love affair. I found that even the human beings with whom the study brought me into contact could be fascinating too. My first mentor was a middle-aged Scotsman who gained his livelihood delivering ice, but who was in fact an ardent amateur mammalogist. At a tender age, he had developed mange or leprosy or some other such infantile disease and had lost all his hair, never to recover it. A tragedy which may have had a bearing on the fact that when I knew him, he had already devoted fifteen years of his life to a study of the relationship between summer molt and incipient narcissism in pocket gophers. This man had become so intimate with gophers that he could charm them with sibilant whistles until they would emerge from their underground retreats and passively allow him to examine the hair on their backs. Nor were the professional biologists with whom I later came into contact one whit less interesting. When I was eighteen, I spent a summer doing field work in the company of another mammalogist, seventy years of age, who was replete with degrees and whose towering stature in the world of science had been earned largely by an exhaustive study of uterine scars and shrews. This man, a revered professor at a large American university, knew more about the uteri of shrews than any other man has ever known. Furthermore, He could talk about his subject with real enthusiasm. Death will find me long before I tire of contemplating an evening spent in his company, during which he enthralled a mixed audience consisting of a fur trader, a Cree Indian matron, and an Anglican missionary, with an hour-long monologue on sexual aberrations in female pygmy shrews. The trader misconstrued the tenor of the discourse. But the missionary, inured by years of humorless dissertations, soon put him right. My early years as a naturalist were free and fascinating, but as I entered manhood and found that my avocation must now become my vocation, the walls began to close in. The happy days of the universal scholar who was able to take a keen interest in all phases of natural history were at an end, and I was forced to recognize the unpalatable necessity of specializing— if I was to succeed as a professional biologist. Nevertheless, as I began my academic training at the university, I found it difficult to choose the narrow path. For a time I debated whether or not to follow the lead of a friend of mine who was specializing in scatology, the study of the excretory droppings of animals, and who later became a high-ranking scatologist with the United States Biological Survey. But although I found the subject mildly interesting, It failed to rouse my enthusiasm to the pitch where I could wish to make it my life work. Besides, the field was overcrowded. My personal predilections lay towards studies of living animals in their own habitat. Being a literal fellow, 
I took the word biology, which means the study of life, at its face value. I was sorely puzzled by the paradox that many of my contemporaries tended to shy as far away from living things as they could get, and chose to restrict themselves instead to the aseptic atmosphere of laboratories where they used dead, often very dead, animal material as their subject matter. In fact, during my time at the university, it was becoming unfashionable to have anything to do with animals, even dead ones. The new biologists were concentrating on statistical and analytical research, whereby the raw material of life became no more than fodder for the nourishment of calculating machines. My inability to adjust to the new trends had an adverse effect upon my professional expectations. While my fellow students were already establishing themselves in various esoteric specialties, most of which they invented for themselves on the theory that if you're the only specialist in a given field...